94.759 The Fan Bash. Brent Gunning. Is your kid up now? Oh, yeah. Uh, long before the sun, he rises. <laughs> so he goes to bed late, wakes goes, up early. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> Great. Not dissimilar to you. I mean, you're yeah. the same way. Uh, my sleep schedule is something no one should ever gain too much insight. It's... Yeah, no, I... Or try to emulate? Definitely not try to emulate. I, uh, bad, bad sleeper. So mm. I wish I could sleep more, quite honestly. But no, I have to, I have to go to bed late if I want any semblance of ability to sleep in. Like now, that, especially now that we do this, the idea of me sleeping in past five o'clock on a normal, like on a Saturday or Sunday. Really? Uh, can't happen. Really? I, like I'd love oh, it Oh, I to. have no problem yeah, I, sleeping. I, I have zero issues believing I, I, that out of I, you. I enjoy sleeping. I know. It's I my could, favorite thing. I could just thing. sit on your face. <laughs> You'd look like a sleeper. <laughs> I wish I could. I am, I'm so envious of people who can just, oh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to lay down. Yeah, I, I'm Mr. Nap. Like I, I got it figured out. No, yeah, I don't no, know. I don't know how you exist in this time slot without that. Like I, it's you, incredible. I try. I try. You over caffeinate. I definitely over caffeinate. So good, good for you. I, there's an element of that that I wish I could do, but no. I, well, it's just called it's just called anxiety and crippling caffeine addiction. Uh, okay. Is what that is. So <laughs> feel free to join me. Maybe related as well. <laughs> uh, so Austin Matthews still holding strong on six points. Uh, and all of them coming in the first two games of the season, all of them goals, and that's all well and good, and he's played well. Like, come on. Like, obviously, Austin Matthews, yes. Austin Matthews. Like, I'm very good. Just kidding. But, yeah, score another goal. That'd be cool. It would be nice. Um, At his looks. Are we talking enough about William Nylander and John Tavares in their nine points in five games, and, and William Nylander's now four goals? I think, generally speaking, outside of transcendent stuff like Matthew's 60 goal season. We don't really talk enough about good that happens with this team, generally speaking, because we know what the floor is. So it is all about just chipping away at the things that will inevitably hold them back when they do not get it done in the postseason. And hey, I don't say that as a knock on this team. I just mean where they're at, there's only one goal to accomplish in the postseason. It's win the cup. So mm-hmm. we spend so much time talking about the fourth line and does Ryan Reeves play too much or what's his role or do we like Noah Gregor? And it's because the other part of it as well is that there's just been the same core intact for so long. So I think generally speaking, if it's the big four or even even to a lesser extent, Morgan Riley, although we do give him his flowers when he gets on a heater there, if it's going really well, we just kind of leave it alone unless it's at the Matthews 60 goal level. And I think I think it's, it's safe to say that about Tavares and Nylander this year for sure. But I think you could say that about a lot of things that go well in Leafland. Yeah, and it's, I get it. There's an element of, of that that I understand, a big element, right? Like, yeah, this, this team hasn't won at Stanley Cup since 1967. So I get it. Like there's, there's, I, I understand what the big goals are. <laughs> I get it. But it's also a six month regular season, right? Like, and what totally. are you going to do? Like they can't just start the playoffs now. Like that's God. <laughs> Who would you want? <laughs> but Buffalo. <laughs> so if we're going to have this regular season and it's not, you know, like, yeah, you want to have home ice advantage, but largely it's like, it's not as it, 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 Leafs just want to get in, especially at this point well, in their and with, development. And with the Leafs, it's home ice advantage is a right. Sword. Yeah, I mean they they look at the Astros and what they've done in the postseason, only winning on the road. And they're like, ah, ah I, I, I love see. it. Make yeah. the make the whole thing on a road game. Yeah. <laughs> it looks familiar to them. But yeah, if we're gonna play regular season hockey games, you mm-hmm. should you should take some moments to to recognize greatness. And right now. And boy, it's coming at the right time for mm-hmm. William Nylander, who's 
<laughs> a contract extension eligible. Is he at 13 million now a year? I I mean I'm kidding by the way. Someone just careened off the road here. I, you know? I don't I like I don't know how you can look at what he's done throughout the course of his career and the way he's played through the first 5 games of the season and say unless the plan is just to allocate funds it was always to allocate funds elsewhere but not look at him and say yeah okay it it hurts in the now but these guys are not available in free agency oh. i mean i guess he will be to somebody else but you you can't create the next william nylander it's it's going to hurt but i you, you got to do whatever it takes to keep this guy and that's double digit aav and i think that just looking at Living's track record, you know, obviously you could say, what are you talking about? His track record proves the opposite. Yes, he's been burned by this before. And also it must be said that it's a different scenario. You know, Johnny Goudreau pretty clearly wanted no parts of that. Matthew Kachuk clearly wanted no parts of that. And, you know, I think some people, you know, read maybe too much into William Nylander saying he wants to be a Leaf, that he has to be a Leaf. But it's clearly a guy who, given his druthers, would love to be here. I mean, forget about... Forget about all the stuff we talk about, about being a Leaf of, you know, you'll never pay for a meal in your life if you win and what it's like to be a Leaf and yada, yada, yada. Just it's first class organization. It's an Atlantic division team. The travel's super easy. Your life is set up here. You're comfortable. Like all the things would tip him to wanting to, to be here as well. And I think the other part of it that we talked about a lot is the John Tavares of it all. You know, no one knows what his next contract is going to look like, but we know it's going to, one, have single digits and be a lot less than, mm. than $11 million there so I think there's definitely a world where you say okay can we have short-term pain where okay you got to carry Willie's big deal and Matthew's big deal and Marner's big deal and the Tavares contract but that's a one-year two-year pain thing well and also you got to think about what Steven Stamkos is going to want in free agency when when he returns home to Toronto this offseason notably didn't do media on Saturday. That's very interesting. Yeah, a guy that made news in I mean, these you parts. Can, you can read two ways into it. You can say that's him removing gasoline from the flyer. Because if he wanted to if he wanted to ratchet up the heat. You could on one hand you could say, ah, he doesn't want to face the questions because mm-hmm. he's afraid of what he's gonna say or tip his hand too much or whatever. But on the other hand, if he really did want to ratchet up the pressure to Tampa, what better way than to hold court in Toronto? Yeah, I think he did that. Like I think that was clearly part of the thought oh, process course. before the season. Yeah, but the you do that once. There, it's, exactly. it's a little different when you're playing preseason games or before you've even played your first preseason well, game, and it's another to be like in the middle of a regular season and do that stuff. Yeah, and the you know that is where that stuff gets unearthed, right? The opening presser of your your camp, your media day. That's when people ask those questions. So I can see Matthews did it last year, right? Obviously, a different tact he took. Where I'm going to talk about this once, and then I will not be asked another question. You might ask them, I won't be answering them. Mm-hmm. Stamkos, I think, took. A similar way obviously with a more aggressive tactic than Matthews took at the beginning of last year though yeah uh it, it, Steven Samkos put himself on record we, we know the way he feels we know also what he would have said uh had the question been asked of him about his contractual status and mm-hmm. the, the feeling he had about you know not having an extension put forth he was displeased uh, but yeah he wouldn't have he wouldn't have said it again I don't think I think he Said his piece before the season, and that's the last we'll hear about it until the end of the season. All right, time now to talk to our pal Gord Stellick, uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Leafs analyst. How's it going, Gordo? Hey, good, Ben. Real good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that was a real good win for for the Maple Leafs on on Saturday. Um, It could have been a real tough loss considering they finally scored the first goal of a hockey game for the first time this season in game number five and then immediately give up three consecutive goals and Ilya Samsonov Samsonov doesn't look so good. Um, Instead, we got this opposite 
conversation. What's what's your the the biggest positive takeaway from Saturday's game for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, after five games, it's so up and down. You know, you you over overanalyze everything going on. I mean, you got Philadelphia in the playoffs, Columbus in the playoffs, Detroit's a juggernaut. I mean, all these kinds of things that'll start evening out. I, I think, Ben and Brent, you know, what I said to you last week was, to me, still the key is is finding ways to win games because you know they did that last year in the first round against Tampa, and that was been their first playoff success in what, like decades. Just whatever that intangible was, and I thought. That's what really came out on Saturday. Obviously, the key is the depth scoring. Max Domi's best game, setting up Matthew Nice. So those are the real positives. But, you know, if, if they don't have that third period, think about what we're talking this morning. You know, a three-game yeah. losing streak. Oh, my God, our first mini-crisis about, you know, what's going on. So, again, it shows about well, well what we quite often lack covering the team or especially being a fan because it's so extreme is perspective. But I, I thought that was the big thing at the end was whatever it took, and it was something different and something very welcome. They found a way to win that game. Yeah, that's that's well said, Gordo, and love having you on. Always always happy to, to have you jump on with us. You know, I you, you and I have talked a lot in the past couple of years. We go back to the Nick Ritchie experiment. Of course, the worst version of this is, is David Clarkson with the 10-game suspension. We've seen how it can go when a player's start gets or starts off poorly in, in Toronto. And, you know, I don't want to overstate the start Max Domi got off to, but he needed that game. What do you think it means for, for Domi and for the Leafs for him to kind of have a game where he really feels like a, like a big, big part of it? Yeah, well, uh, you know, I was just uh, chatting about it, Brad, about it's it's kind of a double-edged sword because you're saying to those new players, and of course, Domi included, about, you know, it takes a bit like when you join a new company, kind of to find your way, you know, find how you belong, find how you fit in. Yet, you brought up two examples, and then I'll throw Tyson Berry into the mix, and a lot of that was because yeah, there was one. a... There was a yeah dysfunctional setup between Mike Babcock and Kyle Dubas. I mean that it, it was less his fault, but the fact that Mike Babcock simply said, "I'm not going to let this guy shine," because uh, he was at a power struggle with the GM. And you know Tyson Berry was you know it didn't happen here. So you got three instances where it just didn't happen. And you know for every Michael Bunting, uh, you, you've had a couple that didn't. Uh, and years ago. When it was a good Leaf team, whether it's Gary Roberts or Joe Newendike or Shane Corson, you know, they came in and found roles on those Pat Quinn type teams. And that's what you're looking at now because you're trying to get to the next level and you've added what you believe are, you know, pieces that'll help you get there. But if we're talking in two weeks time down the road about, yeah, when's Max Domi or when's, you know, when's uh, Todd Bertuzzi or when's John Klingberg or when's Ryan Reeves going to, you know, kind of find their niche. And fortunately, and particularly after Saturday's game, they've all, you know, incrementally done that to some degree, Klingberg getting a nice assist on the overtime goal, but it could become a reality. Sometimes, and Nick Ritchie's the most recent example, it just doesn't get going and it never gets going. Yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi is still looking for his first 5-on-5 five five point, but yeah, the the Domi narrative has certainly changed after Saturday. Is it is is that just, a, hey, uh, pretty good, not even a full game because the, the, the nine starts on the Nylander-Tavares line, but uh, eventually gets shifted down to the third line. Is that something that you think has staying power, those two together with, I guess, a David Camp on the third line, or is that just, uh, hey, you know, the, the blender gets used as it often does, and, and they found something in the moment? Yeah, well, you know, Ben, particularly coming off talking about why was Barrios taken out, right? The eyeball test in general, and and, and certainly Sheldon Keefe, that that blender, he goes to it a lot early on, and he's trying to help help himself figure out where they best fit and help the new players in particular figuring out where they best fit. So I would think right now, you know, you're looking at obviously this is something that's a keeper for the short term, and maybe it'll end up being the long term. That's quite often how line combinations 
work out. You, you hope it clicks, like, say, Debrinket and Larkin are doing in, you know, in Detroit, for example. And then you know, Joe Walls, your goaltender, you take a little bit of a run with him for a bit because those are two obvious things right now in the short term. So, yeah, I would, I would say that, yeah, they, they found um, Magic's a bit of a stretch, but they found some kind of success and got some much-needed goals. And certainly that's the best that Domi has looked in his short time in Toronto. So uh, I would think for the short term, that's a given. Yeah, it's magic like a guy on the street corner doing the like, which cup is this under? Not like, you know, Vegas, <laughs> <Yes>. big show, <laughs> Copperfield magic. I think that's probably the, the best way to put it. You mentioned Wall there. Obviously, he comes in. He is as big a part of that win as, as anybody else. He's going to get the start tomorrow for a uh, 6 o'clock puck drop. Don't love that, but we'll just, we'll just leave that alone, the 6 o'clock puck drop. What do you think they do with the goaltending here? I mean, they're not going to completely go away from Samsonov, but do you think Joe Wall has a chance to, steal the net or make it more more his net than Samsonov's here? Well, I, I don't know what the word steal, but he certainly earned it. Yeah, I think at some point, you, you know, you, you get away from the tandem thing for a bit, just ride the hot goaltender for whatever reason. And, you know, Samsonov had a solid season last year with the Leafs, so I don't discount that. I still think, you know, he's a quality enough goaltender, but it, it, he hasn't been good his uh, early in the season. Their defensive play hasn't been the best early in the season, and I thought, Man, that big save, what, with about 10 seconds left or whatever it was in regulation was huge. Otherwise, again, we're talking about a three-game losing streak for the Leafs today. So that's just what I mean. I, you know, you got a five-game road trip, and I just would go back to the hot hand and, you know, pick your spots for a little bit. You know, if it's two to one for a little while, like two starts for one start, that's what I'd look at doing. Hey, the fourth line wasn't on for a goal against. That's good. I mean, they played limited <laughs> minutes uh, again, but Ponce's Holmberg, I guess, is the difference maker there. And uh, they, they actually outshot their, their opposition pretty significantly when they were on the ice. I'm surprised that, not that Fraser Minton, uh, his, his audition may be over, but that he's still with the team as a healthy scratch after, after losing hold on that, that 3C position. What, what do you make of the fact that he hasn't been sent back to Kamloops yet? Well, it's it's one that you can never call him back. Like anyone going to the American Hockey League, you could do. So I think it's the, uh, the twofold. One is um, maybe they want, they're going to take one more kick at it. They want to be really sure. I think the other thing is just by having him around and assimilated and getting acclimated to, you know, whether it's a road trip or just getting to know the players, you know, feeling he is going to be a part of your team moving forward. So it might be that you might see him go after this road trip. Like, I mean, if he misses 15 games in junior, that's no biggie, uh, you know, at all. I mean, he's done all he can do in junior and, and that, but if he's not going to get ice time, then you'll, then you'll want to have him back. But I, I think that's what might be it at this point, but it's, it's, it's funny. You mentioned about the fourth line, Ben, and, and uh, you know, Ryan Reeves, there's, there's another new guy and certainly his physicality has been uh, impressive, something they need, but also minus four after five games. And that's what, fourth line players really have to avoid and a minus plus my plus minus is it can be a very unfair statistic as well but that's the kind of stuff they have to avoid so you're right it was a positive about that on saturday as well yeah it, cer- it certainly was to to see it there and then i also think you know getting a guy like holmberg back in the mix uh, yeah, i don't want to overstate what it means but this guy was a a cog that was certainly turning some heads at one point in time i mean keith called him i think a perfect player said he hadn't made a mistake and then uh i think three days later he was back with the marley so uh, maybe <laughs> maybe just don't say anything too kind about him so he can stick up here but you know that's been the type of player the leafs just haven't been able to break through i mean how many times have we seen it with a with an abrazi 
Breezy or uh, Alex Steves, these guys who come and get some looks and, you know, go, go ahead, pick your team that's been, you know, be it Tampa, be it the Avalanche. They have these players come up and I don't want to overstate what they mean, but it's important to have the, the kind of internal uh, development there. Uh, we've talked a lot about the forwards, talked a lot about the, the goaltenders. In, in terms of the blue line, you know, a more solid game from, from the Leafs there. Uh, do you think there is some world where this team, without making a big addition, just gets a little more acclimatized to each other? And I don't want to overstate what it can become, but it becomes maybe a, a little bit of a more solid unit than we think of. I think it was Treliving who at one point in time said they were overrated I'm not or underrated. I'm not going to go that far, but I do wonder if jo- just giving it a little bit of time to, to gel together can, can make this group a little better than what we've seen at some points in time this year. Yeah, you know, hey, Brent, wasn't it? I mean, you're right. Pontus Hall, I for, Holmberg, I forgot about that. Like, he was like viewed as, I thought he was a Hart Trophy candidate. Well, one week, Kipper, right? Kipper said he was going to get offer sheeted, remember? Well, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know. Anyway, unless you put an offer on a house, that's about it. Uh, you know, but, um, but uh, on the D, I mean, of course, hey, why not get ahead of ourselves, you know, for the trade deadline? But I, I think it's been shown every year the teams that are that are real serious. And Tampa Bay has always been a great example about one addition. And I, I still think, yeah, that would be whether it's an expiring contract, whatever. You gotta, you gotta, you, you want to upgrade your D. So, so Brad Treliving is obviously saying it for a reason about his D being underrated. I. I don't know if underrated is the right word, as you said, but uh, I, uh, it's, it's, it's a little bit of a work in progress when, you know, you're, you, you don't have a real stud. Morgan Riley is, is pretty close, but you don't have that for starters. And then, of course, in the playoffs, you can, you know, basically play 4D and just, you know, the number five and six don't have to play a ton. But I, so I, I do think down the road there will, be, there will be an addition. That's Or at least that's priority number one, in my opinion, to make an addition at some point. Uh, you can make an addition to your library right now uh, by going out and purchasing Revival, the chaotic, yes. colorful journey of the 1977-78 Toronto Maple Leafs co-authored by Gord Stelic. I mean, sell some books right now, Gordo. Why should people buy the book? Yeah, well, you know what? It, and that could be the history of the fan, the chaotic and colorful history of yes. uh, a sports talk radio all the time. <laughs> so uh, did the book with Damian Cox and uh, – it really, really pleased with the read, and 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 the whole thing came about. Uh, you know, Ben and Brent was uh, last year. Boreas Salming is right around now the Hockey Hall of Fame weekend, and just that incredibly emotional weekend uh, here back at uh, back at Scotiabank Arena, and just talking to Damien. And we had 19 years ago we did did the book on the 1967 team, which was really a pleasure to do, and we're we're really happy how that turned out. And just realized that all those iconic names that are out there, like there's still Daryl Sittler, Lanny McDonald. Well, Mike Palmatier, Tiger Williams. And so it's about that putting that team together under Roger Nielsen. So the years building up to it, and, and it, it really was, um, again, I'll use magic now, Brent, okay? A magical year <laughs> in a lot of ways. And then that, and, th- and this team needs to do what that team did, win a second-round playoff series against a team like the New York Islanders. So yeah, I talked to Chico Resch and, and uh, talked to Brian Trache from the Islanders side, and they talk about how much, how important that series was for them ultimately winning four consecutive Stanley Cups. Uh, Inga Hammerstrom talked to him, which was wonderful because he goes so far back with Borea Somming. And then Ian Turnbull, mm. the Eddie Haskell of that group, I talked to him. It's great. He's the contrarian. He thought everything sucked playing in the NHL and playing in <laughs> Toronto and has no friends and couldn't stand it, hated Roger. But he was the big part of that of that particular team so it's it's out now and uh yeah uh, if you uh i i anyway if you're a leaf fan a hockey fan um i think it's really worth a read so thanks for that opportunity ben 
Of course, Gordo. I can't wait to read it. Uh, have a great morning, Gord. See ya. I will do. Okay, don't get uh, don't get carried away reading the book while you're on air. Okay, okay. please. <laughs> I'll okay. save it for afterwards. See, you, man, or maybe the book on tape. Like, where are you on books books on tape, Brent? I'm here for it. I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't need. I don't need more reading in my life. But I think it's as good a good a way as any. I, I'm not a. I'm not a big book guy. Like I like to read. No, no. Like I know every time I hear that you say that, it's like oh, I don't like to be doing the readings. Like I've read the Tiger Woods book. If it's a, but I'm much more of a. I don't have the attention span uh-huh. for a long time on one I, topic. I, it's is like, that give not me a, little... a self-fulfilling prophecy? Like maybe if you just put yourself in book mode, maybe you would be, you would ha- you'd improve that ability. Ew! What is this? The 1830s? <laughs> okay. I read the Tiger Woods book. I'm good, and I'm going to read Gord's, of course. But other than that, <laughs> I've I've done one book on tape. Like I'm in the car so much. I, I, I listen okay. to a ton of podcasts. So like, I, I am music on the way in, mm-hmm. podcast on the way out. I podcast both ways. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, I don't you like anything gumming me up. Uh, okay, I, I don't get gum gummed my up. Takes. No, <laughs> my takes. My takes are ungummable. Um, but I will say, like, I don't listen to music enough. Like, sometimes I listen to music and I get in this different headspace. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, music. music. <laughs> it's good. Sometimes I, it, like, does positively affect your mood. And, yeah, maybe... Part of my problem is listening to, to people speak too much. I I am so old, and by that I just mean in my mid-30s, that I don't listen to new music anymore, mm. but sometimes I will re-stumble I upon music I forgot I listened to, and then I'm like, this is the best of both worlds. I know it all, but it feels like new music. I, uh, that's happened to me twice in the last couple of yeah. weeks here, and I have been loving life. Yeah, I'm I'm with you in that regard. And part of it is that I have a horrible memory. So, like, yeah, I only need to take a couple of weeks off of music <laughs> and then go back to it. Like, oh, yeah, this thing. I don't know if you've had this, but, again, just, like, I've had so many conversations. I've had a few times in the past handful of years, maybe it was pandemic stuff, where I was just, like, searching for content or anything, and I said to my buds, like, hey, is there anything has been listening to and it's like i mean i could tell you all the music we know about that i've been listening to but the idea of like oh here's a here's a new record no yeah. get out ew <laughs> no i'm with you it's really hard for me to uh yeah to consume new stuff I'm okay not, yeah. like i i, I am Stuck who i in am my ways yeah i am who i am I'm probably not going to change at this point all right time now for something to chew on brought to you by great canadian meats we alluded to this thing at the beginning of the, the show greatest story in sports I think both of us have a lot to say <laughs> I have on this. So much to say about this. And I this. feel like Luke Fox buried it a little bit in uh, in one of his columns over over the weekend. It's a great great nugget. Good for you, Luke, like who like went to the former VP of communications of the Islanders like thesis with a, with paper a great handle. like Kimber Arbach. Yeah, I didn't I didn't yeah. Okay. Good have for you <laughs> that you have the name of the Just Mr. A Kimber. Handle. Kimber. We're not. I feel it's like going down. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yelling, Kimber. <laughs> so right. the story goes that in 2014-15, John Tavares battling for the Art Ross, and he told the Islanders VP of Communications, old Kimber there, yeah. <laughs> two times to tell the NHL that he did not touch the puck, and as a result, was not deserving of, I guess, a secondary <laughs> assist. Now here's the quote. Uh, from the the paper that was written, I remember Tavares' teammate asking him, "Why are you taking points away when you're in this scoring race?" His answer: "Because I don't care about the individual award, but if I do win it, I don't want to have uh, in my mind that I didn't deserve it." Oh, JT. Okay, uh, and he uh, eventually misses out on the Art, Art Ross by what? One point two points. Anyways, he, the he, two points that yeah, he yeah, told and, him and, take away. and he had more goals. 
uh, than uh, Ben. So he he would have won the Art Ross. Would you have done the same thing? What do you does this give you insight into who John Tavares is? Okay, I would never have done the same thing. Never, ever, ever in a kajillion years. I, my entire life, so long as it has aired on random college basketball games I've been watching, have made fun of the commercial where the guy goes, no coach, I tip the ball. We have to tell the ref. It's not fair. Guess what? You're trying to win or you're trying to be fair? Me, I'm trying to win, okay? This is hockey robot personified. I didn't know robots could have emotions and feel things were true and just. Apparently they can. This is... It's remarkable. I, I cannot believe he did this. I never in a kajillion years would have done this. You? Secondary assists are so, I mean, the random. Anyways, yes. right? Like, it, 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 it's, you, you think Jamie Benn didn't <laughs> scratch an extra one there? Also, by the way, it must be said, uh, Jamie Benn winning the Art Ross that year with it's 87 hilarious. points. I know. It's, it's uh, like, dark what, days. What happened? <laughs> there were good goalies that year? I guess. I don't know. Just a whole bunch no. of Sisterkins, apparently. Yeah, secondary assists are random at the best of times anyways. And yeah, like, were there a couple of times that John Tavares was maybe screwed out of a secondary assist? I'll bet. Probably more than twice. Yes. I, that part I, do, I don't understand. There is an element of this that I do understand. I know. It's not an apples-to-apples comparison. Okay, because I, I have another thought on this, but please go. Okay, and naturally, I'm going to go to golf here because oh, that's okay. that's that's where my my yep. head's at. That's my sense I had this exact thought. Without knowing what you're going to say, I know what you're going to say. Okay, I so the other last week, I, I playing one of my last rounds of golf of the year because we're, we're running out of time here. Um, I, I broke once, I broke 80 once this season. It was at the very beginning of the season, um, but I was starting to play really well. And on the second hole, I hit a ball in the water, Mm -hmm. and then I hit a ball out of bounds, and I had, like, a big, long – I had a a makeable putt for eight on a par three. Oh, yes. That my dad said, take it away, because we're playing match play. And I was like, yeah, I should – the round – yeah. It's the second hole, so like the uh, the the chances of me breaking eighty are very low, mm-hmm. but they still exist. Yep. So I did not take it away. I missed it. I took a nine, and guess what? I shot eighty, or it was eighty-one. Right. Yuck. I understand that if you're going to accomplish something, you don't want the sulliness of like mm-hmm. something in the back of your mind that tells you, "Hey, it's not completely untoward." Now that's me controlling the environment. That's not the NHL telling me mm-hmm. that I have an assist when I when yep. I don't. So it's not an apples to apples. But I do understand no, I like get that. wanting something pure and pristine and 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 to not not have to like even though lots of people would understand that hey you know like there's 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 gimmies that you take that yep. okay blah 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 blah. But I would know. Like there would be something haunting me if I had shot a seventy nine and and uh, because I took what a six on a par three instead of the nine, which I rightly deserved. I literally had this happen to me a couple weeks ago or last week. I I will not divulge the number because I'm disgusted by it, quite frankly. But I shot a new franchise record for myself, mm-hmm. career low, and I had a similar situation early on in the round. What's going on? Should I take? Is give me? No, I want to put this out. I feel like I'm playing well. And I would have been crushed if I would have been scooping putts and, oh, yes. that's fine. Give me that, yada, yada. And then all of a sudden, oh, wait, it's my best, but it's not. So I completely Honestly, understand where you're at. There. I've played with people who are the opposite. I think it's indicative of, of a person's, you well, know. My, I have buddies. This is my actual favorite thing because I have a lot of buddies who kind of took up the game right around COVID, maybe a little before. And watching them get so much better at golf, but their score not changing at all. 
because they would have like, oh, that's like, I'm just going right, to play it yeah. as this. And then <laughs> how am I not better? It's like, because you're actually keeping score now as opposed to whatever was right. going on before. The thing, uh, the thing about me that jumped out to me with this, and this will shock you where it goes, is that there is truly no such thing as karma in the world if John Tavares does not win a cup as Toronto Maple Leafs <sighs> captain. The yeah. last, and I love Luke for this because... You know, I talk to Luke all the time about this team. We have him on all the time. I've done post games where he spoke to him after every game. I like to think, and this is not true, but I like to think he put this last line in just for me. The last thing he says about that story is, I just don't think that's good karma, a quote from John Tavares. And if there is, if there's just any good and light in the world, mm-hmm. he will have not the moment. Ugh, who cares? Last year, Tampa, overtime mm. winner. It's going to feel like small peanuts when he lifts Lord Stanley's mug for the Leafs. If there is really karma in this world, that removing an award that, because look, when John Tafari's career is said and done, he is going to be one of these classic bubble Hall of Fame guys. Mm-hmm. That is something that would tip it one way or another. That would be something someone in the room oh, would sure. be saying, he has an Art Ross. What are you talking about? He has an Art Ross. Yeah. If there really is karma, if uh-huh. these things actually matter, he will not get the gift of giving the Leafs a playoff series win. No, you'll get more than that. If there was fairness, if there was karma, wouldn't the Leafs have been at least in a cup final since 67? No, Harold Ballard on the team and (laughs) chicanery. (laughs) Sure, but the fans, they deserve to at least have had one moment where, yeah, you could... (laughs) The amount of of conversations I have had with people about what I have done personally. Like, I remember sitting around a Golf Canada event talking with a bunch of media guys of, oh, it's my fault. I didn't watch it on this TV. Oh, I should have gone here. And then somebody, John McCarthy's Toronto Sun, shout out saying, guys, guys, it's our fathers who did this, not us. So, yeah, the karma's out there somewhere. Maybe that's John Tavares gifting it to us. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, And maybe this is the year. But, uh, yeah, no, that is totally on brand for (laughs) John Tavares. That does not surprise me at all. But uh, you don't have to go out of your way. You don't have to call people up and say... Take points away. You don't. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Um, it is an amazing story. Oh, last quickly on that. Do you, th- how much did guys on the team roll their eyes? Like, we're all like, okay, that's, yeah. fun. that's pretty funny. It's like, John, come on. You don't have to be that much of a hardo on it. And lastly, I'm just looking at the leaders for that just barn burner of an Art Ross race. Other names that finished in the top 10. Uh, Toronto Maple Leafs legend, Nick Foligno, mm. uh, with 73 points oh that year. God. Also, Yuri Hudler of the oh Calgary my. Flames, uh, finishing eighth, tied oh with Daniel Sedin with 76. The uh, rest of those are names you might expect to see there. But yeah, Foligno and Yuri Hudler in the top 10 that year. Maybe it's good he didn't win. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Bill Simmons does his thing of like, there should be different sizes for MVP yeah. trophies. That is a participant trophy of an Art Ross for Jamie Benn with 87 points. I feel like the league is in a <laughs> better spot aesthetically yeah hard agree <laughs> all right when we come back um a couple of frauds i mean you know what maybe the entire oh. afc east is in is is just a, a division of frauds agree all right we'll talk about week seven of the nfl season next the uh, fan morning show continues ben and sprint gunning sportsnet 590 the fan Dive deep into Toronto sports and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkus podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan band, and it's Frank Gunning. Brad from Barry. 
getting very literal about tomorrow's opening day in the NBA. It's called tip-off, okay? Mm, I think that's what they call it. I So? I'm not calling it tip-off. Okay. I'm just telling you, much like I told you it was weird to say good morning when you said okay, goodbye but, to Mike Rupp, that it's is, also weird to call things that aren't baseball opening day. It's the opening day. Okay. Literally, but, but, sure. Grand opening? No, that's somehow worse. <laughs> grand closing is all I can say. Actually, like, that's all that goes in my head whenever I hear anybody say grand opening. Immediately, grand closing in my all head. All right. Thanks to the detectors. Uh, 590, 590. Especially when they agree with me. Mm, don't like that. So we much. have we have also have dueling people who says Judd Fars will never win anything, and they whole, also wholeheartedly believe in the karma. So I don't know, split the difference, and maybe they can win two rounds this year. That would be that'd be a step in the right direction. All right, um, it's amazing. Like I don't want to be so reactionary to like each and every week of the NFL season or each and every What's, hockey game. No hockey, you should be more pragmatic about mm-hmm. if you. If you do this job and don't want to overreact to the NFL, I know. I find I suggest you find a new line of work. Now. <laughs> well, That's what we're here the, to do. The thing is, yeah, it was 17 game season with the expanded postseason. Yeah, listen, the, the Bills could look a whole lot different by the end of the season than they have the last three weeks. But yeah. I'll tell you, the last three yeah. weeks are certainly a lot different than the first four weeks yep. for this team. Lose in London against the Jags. Okay, you understand yeah, can... that the Jags are sitting there waiting. Yeah, they're full of crumpets. Yorkshire pudding. And that, and that guy was dressed up in full yeah, Jags regalia. That's right. He was a human Jaguar. Uh, so, and and you still almost won that football game, despite the fact that, ooh, you lost Matalano in that game. That stunk to high heavens. Not good. You lost that game. Understandable. Return home. And okay. Barely picking up some victories, including one against the Giants that... Mm-hmm. You know, left them on the doorstep at the very end of the football game. That's a bad Giants team, despite the fact they they picked up their second win of the season uh, yesterday against yeah a bad Commanders team. But yeah, you barely escape with a victory over a Giants team that doesn't exactly have you know the steel curtain there on defense. You don't look very good offensively, no. and then. Yesterday, against this Patriots team that is clearly the worst in the Bill Belichick post-Tom Brady era. Honestly, up until yesterday, you could have just stopped at the worst. That's clearly the worst, period, could have been the way that went. And, and, okay, you eventually retake the lead or take the lead in the fourth quarter. Mm -hmm. And at that point, it does look like, okay, I'll... They're going to do it again. They're barely going to pull this thing out. They're not going to look overly impressive. And you know what? There's some merit in that, too, because... I, I think we've seen some Chiefs teams in totally. recent vintage that have done that. Whatever. A win is a win. Instead, you watch Mac Jones march down the field, not just kick the game-tying field goal, score the game-winning touchdown. Mm-hmm. Mac freaking Jones? Yes. And, and the Patriots, who are, are more than willing. And again, coaches and players don't tank, but the fans <laughs> of the New England Patriots would love to be in the Caleb, Caleb Williams sweepstakes. They march down the field and beat you. And all of a sudden, you got major, major questions. Yeah, how can you not? This is, I think the the thing with this Bills team is that once once Josh Allen kind of took the the leaps that we talked about, and you saw the the floor that this team was was capable of having, you said, okay, I think we know what this group is in terms of they are no longer the bad Buffalo Bills with all these question marks. But the problem is, is that in the entire time they have been this iteration, and I'll just call it the McDermott Allen Bills, Mm -hmm. they have never proven that they are truly, truly serious contenders. They have gone punch for punch and ultimately come up short at times. They have had some close calls, 
But every single time there is a chance for the Bills to throw down the gauntlet and be that team we think they can be and yada, yada, they come up short. And if you want to say that they're not ready, okay, that's one thing. But then to on the other side of things have games like this where, okay, the London game is what it is. I suppose even coming back from the London game, okay, Mm -hmm. it is what it is. The Patriots have been an abject failure offensively, even defensively, which was supposed to be their calling card. They haven't even been lights out in that regard this season, this year. So to come up that way against that team. And the other part of it is that, you know, sometimes this, we overstate these things, but you're supposed to be the big brother in the division. You're supposed to keep your foot down on these teams and to not have the ability to do that. I don't know how you can look at this bills team and question that they're true content or not and not question whether they're true contenders. And yes, they've had injuries. Losing Trey White, terrible. Losing Milano, massive, massive for what he means to to that defense. But guess what? Everyone in the NFL has injuries to deal with. And I just, I don't know how you can look at what the Bills have shown you over the body of work of not just this year, mm-hmm. but kind of the entire Allen and McDermott window and say, they're a good team, but they're just not there. Yeah, I, I mean, okay. So you, you can explain away, I guess, the, the 29 points given up to, to Mac Jones because of the, the injuries on, on defense. How about, like, the the nothing going on offensively in the first half and eventually yeah. getting to 25 points? But I think what I understand about the Bills, considering the injuries yep. to significant pieces, and, boy, the, the Patriots had a lot of success running the ball up the gut mm-hmm. in that football game. But th- this is a team that's going to have to outscore op- opposition, right? Yep. And it's good thing for them... They play in the year 2023 in the NFL because that's actually that's the most fine. reliable way to win a football game is scoring a bunch of points, and they have a great receiver in Stephon Diggs. Mm-hmm. But I think the questions are starting to to be raised about the the, the weapons outside of Diggs in the totally. receiving game. And, yeah, they, they got a couple of good tight ends, including a first-round pick mm-hmm. that had his best game of, the, of his young career yesterday. But, boy, man, like you got it. Yeah, you got to go into football games thinking you got to score 35 points. You do, and you would like more weapons, but if we're going to, and, you know, I think it's fair to say no one in this league right now is Patrick Mahomes until they prove otherwise, but if he's not on the 1A Mahomes tier, everyone, rightfully so, puts him on the 1B tier. Joe Burrow has had times where he hasn't had Jamar Chase, and he's lacked weapons. You see what, again, you see what Mahomes has done with, Forget Diggs. If he had Dalton Kincaid or Dawson Knox there, uh, mm-hmm. Patrick Mahomes would be laughing. And I know Travis Kelsey's uh, obviously still as good a weapon as anybody in the league, but he's getting older. He's been banged up at times this year. So I think that, yes, you can question the weapons and what else is there. But generally speaking, having your one great target in in Diggs and a couple of others, that should be yeah. more than enough for an offense to to not just get by in the NFL, but thrive. Yeah, of course, everyone would love to be the Dolphins where you have Tyreek Hill and Waddle and everybody running all over the place. Yeah, that'd be great. Guess what, though? That's all kind of one-on-one thing in the NFL. You generally speaking don't get to have the superstar quarterback and all the weapons to to make his life easier. So if Josh Allen's really that guy, if if uh, if the offense didn't take a step back when Dable left, then please show me, regardless of what's there. Kind of curious timing to see the report come out that Bill Belichick signed a multi-year extension. <laughs> Did he know he was going to win? Season? Yeah, I don't. I know. <laughs> it's just really interesting that the like narrative is building around if the him. The NFL is scripted. Yeah, that that. Well, there's that, yeah, that they, they came through with their most impressive uh, football game of the, of the season. But, yeah, the, also that, yeah, the narrative was building that this guy could be 
cast overboard, not in season. Like, I don't know. Oh, my <laughs> God. Could you imagine? <laughs> but at the end of the year, uh, the Robert Kraft could say, thanks, Bill, but uh, no thanks. Um, and then this report coming from Ian Rappaport that, that Belichick signed a multi-year extension before the season, which could mean, like, only a couple of years. Yep. I'm like, this year and, be, and, and next year. And it's Robert Kraft and his billions of dollars. It's just money to him. So I don't know if that really impacts the decision-making process either. But I'm, I'm always skeptical of mm-hmm. these reports coming uh, coming out around the time that the narratives are going in one direction. Does, does this come from the Patriots' side of things? Maybe, like, justifying Robert Kraft's decision to stick with Belichick? Mm. I don't know. I just found it a little curious. Uh, well, if Leafs history leads us to be true, it means that uh, he's on his absolute last legs because yeah. we all remember Ron Wilson's parting gift on Christmas That's Eve right. or Boxing Day or yeah. whenever whenever it was that, that came out. In his stocking. Yeah, yeah. and then a couple, of, uh, a couple of months later, I think he was gone uh, because Bramber could not let the Fire Wilson chance uh, continue. I don't think we'll be seeing Fire Belichick chance in, in, <laughs> in New England. I think there's obviously, uh, you know, just a touch more equity built, built up there. But yeah, it was fast. Fascinating that that came out. I don't know how much it really changes things if Robert Kraft feels like it absolutely must be changed. I don't think, you know, who knows what Belichick makes if he's going to make 15 or 20 on TV. I imagine he's making something close to that uh, coaching of the NFL. So, you know, I don't know how much that'll stop Kraft, but I do think it doing what he feels needs to be done, but it does inform where his thinking was heading into the year. Obviously, if you were wondering if this was on its last legs, if you were curious about how it was going, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be happy, willing to do a contract extension. So it does kind of inform Kraft's thinking heading into the season, I think. Yeah, it's true. that that's. I think that's the biggest indication that, yeah, he was not envisioning a situation where this was was like percolating yeah. to or boiling to a, a point or, that he, or he had I to want, make a move. Or I do wonder if... Part of it is that he could see it. Robert Kraft could see it getting to this point and saying, you know what, we're going to do this contract extension so we can leak it in week eight when everything starts to bubble up and then the story will kind of die for the rest of the season. I could also see that aspect of it as well, just from a kind of messaging perspective. I feel like this iteration of the Kansas City Chiefs has a a very direct line correlation to the Tom Brady era Patriots, which like Mm. the winning is part of it, but it's also the God awful division that they, they play in. It's very bad. It's horrible. So like Tom Brady and those Patriots teams were obviously incredible, incredible teams and well-deserving of the six Super Bowls Mm -hmm. they won, but they didn't take advantage of a God awful AFC East and, and beating up on those three teams six times a season. Rob Johnson. Oh, so the, the, the chiefs, under Patrick Mahomes with their victory over, boy, a Chargers team that that feels like they're going to have a new head coach. Bef- like that coaching change may come in season. Um, but the Chiefs are 29-3 and three against AFC West opposition in the Patrick Mahomes era, which feels like impossible. As good a team as they are, to, to have lost only three times against the AFC West I, I, I get it. They've been dominant against just about everybody, but to have that run of success against teams that see you twice a season, mm-hmm. nobody has better intel, nobody better understands your tendencies than the teams you play twice a season, and it's just, it doesn't feel like it's going to get better anytime soon because it doesn't, there's been lots of turnover throughout the course of the, the 
Patrick Mahomes' tenure in Kansas City in that division. doesn't feel like it's going to change anytime soon. I don't disagree that it's not going to change. It must be said that they are playing, uh, and we just talked about the Leafs in terms of curseness, the most cursed franchise in NFL history in the Chargers. They have played, again, that game. It looked a little different with Herbert throwing the pick there that it didn't get super close, but they have played that exact game going back to the time Phillip Rivers was an infant, and he's had about 15 since Mm -hmm. uh, Phillip Rivers was playing all those games. So on one hand, you kind of throw the Chargers out because that's just what they do. They lose close games or close-ish games, but Raiders, they've had moments. I don't want to overstate what what they've been, and then the Broncos have been a solid team in, in, in you know, some of that run as well. I mean, the Super Bowl t- team you go back to. So I think you look at it, and it does just kind of this is what a dynasty looks like. And it goes back to what I said about Buffalo and no one's calling Buffalo a dynasty. They haven't won anything, but that's the difference between a true year in and year out contender where it doesn't matter what's going on. You just have the one or the two pieces you have Reed and you have Mahomes, yeah, and it. set it and forget it. And Hey, you like Sean McDermott. You like Josh Allen, but they ain't that Justin Herbert is Philip rivers. Now he's, he's under 500 for his career. 27 and 28. And I was I, very disappointed like, in him. I, I wanted him to have that drive. I did. Uh, Brandon Staley is going to wear this, right? Like he's going to be mm-hmm. fired. And, yeah. and, the, and Kellen Moore, temporary coach, will be fun. Sure. And and Chargers fans will say, well, that was the problem. And it, they, they, they may have a new head coach and it, it and it may turn around. But I'd, like the whispers are getting louder. And it, boy, it could have been a real narrative turn if Tua had, had picked up a victory mm-hmm. uh, against the Eagles. I'm not surprised that that went that way. Um, yeah, they scored, what, 17 points and had a pick six in the football game? Congrats. Yeah, Ten. The, the awesome. <laughs> Best offense in football. Yeah, it did, didn't Fraud. look so good against uh, uh, an elite team. But, yeah, no, Justin Herbert is, uh, I don't know, I, 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 he feels like a regular season stack compiler at this point. Yeah, I I, I don't know how you can say that. We're, have, we're coming off of back-to-back weeks where just look at what happened in front of you. The game ended with him throwing interceptions on back-to-back weeks. It was the Cowboys game, and then he did it again in the, in the red zone. So you cannot win with a guy doing that. And I like Herbert. I have a lot of time for him. Super talented, yada, yada, yada. Honestly, think if it would have been him that ended up in Kansas City with Andy Reid that I'm not saying he is Pat Mahomes, but it's way closer to that than, than what he looks like now. But he has all the tools, but I don't know how you cannot question what he is when you have back-to-back weeks where when you're supposed to be the quarterback that makes plays, that is the difference maker, and you have game-ending interceptions, you have to wear it. You have to. He is no Tyson Bajan. <laughs> From the Drew Locke school of, of quarterbacks that I find hilarious. It's, I mean, he, he, he played for a school called Shepherd. Like I Love it. I, it's, a, it's a Division two school, and his final... People are unfamiliar who Tyson Bajan is. He's, he's the filling in for Justin Fields with the with the Bears right Bears now. Bears new QB one. Yeah, he is undrafted. Naturally, out of Shepherd, his final NCAA football game came against the Colorado School of Mines. Which, when I first heard, I was like, <laughs> mimes? Like the the school? Like that? That honestly sounds bad, like a bad, joke. Bad radio of me doing the miming here. Yeah. It's it's a real school. It's Division two, and and he threw for under. 200 yards against the school of mines. Here he's want to know in his NFL career. He's got he's got his hat on like adjacently backwards. It's like off to the side and backwards. He's given victory speeches with no shirt on. Uh it is everything that can galvanize a football team for 2 weeks before he comes back to life. All right, time now for the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. All right. Uh naturally we got the NFL Monday nighter tonight in Minnesota, San Francisco 49ers with maybe a healthy Christian McCaffrey for this game are on the road and naturally favored 
by seven points against a Vikings team that loses all the one score games. I don't know. This does though feel like a Vikings cover at home, especially considering how banged up the Niners are. It does feel that way, but you know what? We just talked about good teams being good teams and taking care of business. I'm going the other way on this one. I like the Niners and there is no no value on the money line. So if you like them, you got to take them to cover. Uh, The problem with the Niners in terms of over under is they could win games anyway. They could win them blowing them out. They could win 13 to three. I could easily see both of those scores happening. So the one I'm most comfortable touching is the the Niners uh, to cover there. So seven is a big number, but if you want to get any value, that's how you got to do it. All right, and let's uh, look at Game 7, Astros-Rangers in Houston, which is bad news for the Astros because the road team has won each and every game throughout the course of this series. The Astros, though, favored minus 120 against Max Scherzer uh, as they are in danger of becoming just the second team in Major League history to lose a series in which the road team has won each and every single game. I don't think it's going to happen. Like, I I think eventually... (laughs) The team with the better pedigree against mm-hmm. the guy who doesn't look like his best self and Max Scherzer comes through here. I think the Astros take it in seven. Yeah, I'm with you. I think Scherzer battles and it's an all-time gamer effort, but he's not great. And I think the Astros are just the better team and they prove it. So, yeah, I'm with you there. All right. That was the Wake and Rake presented by Sports Interaction, your homegrown sports book, Bet Local. When we come back, we'll talk to our pal Frank Saravelli of dailyfaceoff.com. It's the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.